Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Courtside Convo here on the campus of Michigan State University for Impact Studios. I am your host, Carter Landis. I am joined by Carter Fry and Liam Jackson today. Guys, how'd you enjoy the uh, the All-Star game and all the uh, all the festivities and everything? Um, I enjoyed the game, and I thought the three-point contest was entertaining. I think my favorite part, other than Steph Curry going nuclear, oh, yeah. was probably the Rising Stars game. I think they played hard. All three games, and it was also fun to see the Pistons players play well, especially Cade. So personally, I think that was my favorite part was the Rising Stars games, um, other than obviously Steph hitting sixteen threes, which was incredible to watch. Yeah, no, the Rising Stars game. I mean, every game came down to like the last second, even you know if it didn't seem like it right out of the gate. And I'm really a big fan of this format. I hope they do it again next year. Uh, as the rest of the events go, three point contest was good. I feel like I'm in the minority here. I was a pretty big fan of the new skills challenge. I thought I it was know. cool. It was refreshing. I did think it, it was, was cool. actually cool. It was like a totally new way to spin it. Like it wasn't, you know, doing it, you know, like th- they normally do, but with like a slight rehash. No, they totally redid, you know, how, you know, each round and how they added up the scores and everything, which I was a big fan of. Then, you know, dunk contest. You know, everyone's pretty much in agreement. We're, I don't know that we're ever going to get back to the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon days. Oh, that's my favorite one ever. I, I don't know how any, how it can't be your favorite one. It's The dunks in that one in 2016 were just unbelievable. And this year, every year it's just like maybe we can get back to it. But I don't know. I think we need some star power, you know, at, le- at least to get us jump started. Because, I, I mean, I don't. You know, obviously, like, Cole Anthony and, you know, a couple of these guys. Like, they're, you know, somewhat big names, but not, you know, not a LeBron, not a DeMar DeRozan, you know, not a Zach Levine. So I, I think the NBA needs to kind of get back with that, getting, you know, some bigger names to rejuvenate the dunk contest. To your point about the skills challenge, I absolutely agree. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought, you know, having the Antetokounmpo brothers and the rookies and the Cavs all playing with each other. I thought that was actually really entertaining to watch. In fact, I even said that. I was like, this is a lot of fun. And then I go to Twitter, and then I'm scrolling, and I was like, this sucks. This yeah. format is terrible. I'm like, all right, I guess I guess I am wrong. I, okay. I enjoyed it as well. I didn't mention it, but I, I thought it was um, – the skills challenge is a little bit, was a little bit stale, and I think that really uh, – it made it interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, the dunk contest is what it is, you know. All, stars don't want to do it. They think it's a waste of their time, waste of their energy. It, it, it doesn't really do anything for them or anything like that. So you get who you can. I mean, a lot of the times, the thing to me about, like, why some of these guys are such good dunkers is because they're in-game dunkers. Like, the adrenaline is just flowing, and they come up with that stuff in the moment. They're doing something cool, on, you know, on the fly in, like, a snap decision. When it comes to – when you have to actually think about it, you, you come up with these kind of, like, grand ideas, and then they're a little bit harder to uh, execute. Ask Jalen Green, what, like, one for nine? He he had, like, 50 attempts, too. <laughs> they were they only called so many of them attempts, but he was, like, he would, he would grab it, and he wouldn't, like, actually throw down a dunk, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't make it work. And I was like, okay, this needs to speed along a little bit. Even, even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar left early. Do you see that video? Yeah. Of him, of him walking out when it's Green funny. missed it. Yeah, I actually really like this new format of the All-Star game because uh, it gets in, – in years past, guys weren't playing for anything. And, I mean, 
to a larger scale, I guess they're still not, but they are playing, you know, to win the game. Like they're actually playing to win the game. They're not playing it just to show off, you know, throw some dunks down, shoot a couple deep threes. And like, they're playing for like the Elam ending type of thing. You got to get to a, a, a target score and it gets the players more engaged. It gets the fans more engaged. And, and it makes the All-Star game a little bit more worthwhile for, for everyone. So I'm a big fan of it. I think it's getting people back interested in the All-Star game. I mean, I had a lot of fun watching it this year. I usually don't tune into it as closely in years past, but this one was a lot more fun. I talked about it last year, and I'll, be, I'll die on this hill. I think at the very least, I think if they ever implement a midseason tournament, I think the midseason tournament should be played with the Elon Mending. Yeah. And I really want to see G League games play with the Elon Mending. It just, like... It makes boring basketball games, which is what the All-Star game had turned into before, um, so exciting. Every game has a game winner. Like Players are going to have so many more mini moments they can have that to look back on. And but, like I just lo- I think it's I have more fun watching basketball when it's the Elon Mending, like a random like Rockets Thunder game in the middle of in the middle of February. Like I would I, w- I would I'll still watch it, but I would make that appointment viewing if it was the Elon Mending, like no matter who's playing. So I'll die on that hill. I think it's a great way for basketball to be played, and I hope that it, um, the NBA finds a way to add it into like little niches of the game. So um, I think it would draw a lot of viewers. I saw somebody say uh, they should add it for Big Ten football. First one to ten wins. <laughs> and the other element to it, you know, is you know because there's no time left. You know, any you could be down forty, and just you know go on a forty to ten run. You know, win with the with that ending so yeah I, I think you know turning those boring basketball games you know you're down you know 30 it, it's never over until it's over you know it's more like baseball in that sense where like you could be down 20 runs bottom of the ninth but just keep on hitting there's no timer and that you know that's my favorite part about it is that you know no one's ever out of it until the last basket you know goes in and there's no stupid following at the end of the game you gotta drag the game on for 20 30 minutes um, trying to ex- like extend the game, get as many possessions as they can. They know what they got to do. They got to lock down a defense, and they have to make shots, which is basketball at its purest form. So I'd rather watch that than people going and standing at the free throw line. Got to give props to whoever whoever figured that out because they have, I think, started to revive a lot of aspects of there's, the all-star game. There's a good po- – Zach Lowe did a podcast with him last year or two years ago. The guy who, like, made yeah. that – oh, yeah. I think his last name is Elam. Okay. I think that's where it comes from. Oh, that from. makes sense. Yeah. It's, it, it started to kind of revitalize some parts of the all-star game. Will we get ever get the dunk contest back to its glory days? I don't know. But we had basketball come back last night after the all-star break. Players got a very well-deserved uh, time off. And then the Pistons took on the Cavs, and they came out victorious in Detroit last night, 106-103. to Hamadou Diallo led the scoring for the Pistons with 21 points and 6 rebounds. Cade Cunningham, another very good performance from him, with 17 points, 6 rebounds, and as many assists. Uh, Lori Markkinen led the scoring for the Cleveland Cavaliers, 22 points, 6 rebounds. Darius Garland, the all-star for the Cavaliers, did not play last night, nursing a back injury. So I've, I've, I've heard this concept come up quite a bit. Are people, you know, are the Cavs going to head for that second half slump being that team that's kind of overachieved a little bit, uh, shot out of a cannon a little bit earlier than people expected? Are they going to kind of regress to the mean, come back down to earth? What are you guys thinking about Cleveland's outlook for the rest of the uh, regular season? I think that without 
Darius Garland, they're a play-in team. And with Darius Garland, they're a playoff team. And that's why I think that he deserves that all-star selection just because the value he brings on offense. Um, we obviously know their defense is going to be fine without him. Just those three seven-footers, they can those mobile th- seven-footers they can play. But Garland can really break down a defense like you can, knock down a shot, very good floater game, great passer, great lob passer. They also didn't have Levert in this game. Um, I don't think that they're the fourth best team in the East, but I also I'd say they're probably sixth, seventh best team in the East, which is still very good and a lot to build on a lot of young talent. So I don't slump might be too strong of a word. I think they'll regress back to the mean a little bit, but I still think that's a playoff team and a team that um I don't think they'll win a playoff series, but they'll get a good a lot of good experience and that's a scary team moving forward. See, it's so crazy. The East is so stuffed up this year. Like I couldn't confidently say that this Cavaliers team isn't worse than the 2015 Hawks team that, you know, was first in the East, won, you know, 60-something games. Uh, you know, they are probably the sixth or seventh best team in the East this year, but like, like you said, Liam, that's saying a lot. And they've really come a long way. I don't think any team has been more surprising this year in terms of where their expectations were at the start of the year to where they're performing now. and. You know, they just hosted the All-Star game. You know, they had a a lot of guys participating. They should, you know, be coming out of this break with a little bit of a bang. You know, obviously last night didn't really see that. But, you know, I I think they'll get back on track. You know, it's about to be March, about to be, you know, getting into that last month of the season. We'll see if they can really gear up for it. I'm a big J.B. Bickerstaff fan. I think he has to be in serious condition for coach of the year just because of how incredible the Cavs have been uh, throughout this entire season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, I know that they have Mobley and, and Allen, so it's going to be tough for anybody to get to the rim against this team. But overall, as a team, they have exceeded everyone's expectations. So I think that I think Baker staff should be uh, firmly in that conversation uh, in in individual matchups in this game. Cade Cunningham outplayed Evan Mobley for sure. And I think that the 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 rookie of the year race, if you ask Vegas, they will tell you it's not a race. It's Mobley's to lose. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that's true. I think there's a chance that Cade with uh, a really good second half of his season, I would think gives him a much better shot. And the reason I say that is just because of the fact that I think Cade's play style compared to Mobley's is going to net him a lot more stats. And the Pistons probably won't win as much of the Cavs. I think that helps Mobley's case quite a bit. But, I mean, Cade's going to have more of these games where he has 17, 6, and 6, or like 19, 8, and 5, or something like that. And I think that gives him a good shot to kind of close that gap. I don't know if he's past Mobley yet, per se, but I think that it's definitely not the runaway that Vegas thinks it is right now. Yeah, I think, um, I think right now... It's Mobley just because, I mean, he's contributing to winning on a very good team, and he's he's one of the best defensive rookies that we've ever seen. Um, like, his advanced stats, he has, uh, he has, like, similar stats defending the rim to Rudy Gobert as a rookie, which is just insane. I think, but I do think that Cade, um, if I had to redraft, I'd still would take Cade first. It just, the, the situation that Cade is in is just, it's, pretty dire the team is there's no shooting around him frank jackson probably their best shooter um like 
but that I mean I, I think that um I think that getting Marvin Bagley is gonna help him a lot once they figure out how to play together. He hasn't had a lobster in his career to this point. We saw last night uh Caden transition, he had a behind the back move on Rondo. That was sick. Threw mm. a lob the lob to Bagley and that's just like um that type of player with Cade and that's why I love Cade so much is that type of player is great with him. You can also you can draft Jay Nivey, get a guard next to him, you get Chet Holmgren, you can get and anybody and Cade can play with them, it doesn't matter. So that's why I think that I, I think Cade is gonna end up having a better career. But I think Mobley is rookie of the year right now. And I could talk about this a lot. I think both of these guys um are gonna be compared to each other a lot, their com- career, which well, that happens, but I think we should just appreciate both for what they've been doing. And uh, Mobley, um, it's gonna be exciting to watch him in the playoffs against um when he when they when the players really start to ramp it up and see that was a big uh worry with him was his frame and he seems so far he seemed to uh obviously be fine but I'm 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 interested to see like how he's gonna fare against Joel Embiid, Giannis, players like that they're gonna have to run into in the East in the playoffs if they wanna uh get anywhere. So I think that'll be fun fun to watch him take on that challenge. Yeah, uh, definitely one of the best parts of Mobley's game is you know he's got that kind of guard type movement and. You know, he moves a lot better, moves around a lot better than most big men, but that also, you know, does come at the cost of, you know, not being big, strong, being able to handle those big elite centers backing you down. I mean, Jokic, Embiid, you know, Gobert. I mean, I can name him, Miles Turner. There, there's a million, you know, really big centers in the NBA that, you know, a guy like Mobley just, you know, you know, and it, you also obviously fill out. And, you know, gain more muscle, you know, with age. And Mobley's still obviously very young. You know, we see most rookies coming into the league, you know, a little on, a little on the slim side, haven't put on their muscle yet. You saw, like, Giannis's transformation over the years. You know, we could see, you know, something like that from him where he, you know, does get a little bigger, is able to handle those guys in the future. But as far as the rookie of the year race, I, I think it is his to lose for sure. But – you know, knock on wood, obviously, you know, last year we had, you know, LaMelo leading the race, you know, he gets injured and then a- Anthony Edwards puts on a crazy second half, you know, trying to, you know, make it interesting. He was not, you know, victorious in that, you know, second half, you know, comeback attempt, but, you know, we, we injured or, you know, Mobley, you know, healthy or not, we could see a second half resurgence from Cade Cunningham because he obviously is a ridiculous talent and, what we've seen from him this year, you know, him being the number one pick wasn't a mistake, which I think, you know, you know, is, is something, you know, solid to say considering how good Mobley's been playing. And yeah, for Mobley, Detroit not to regret that is, you know, definitely something to note. Mobley and Giddy and Barnes and still the Jalen Green still very early. I think this draft class, um, just the fact that these two are um, – I think we're going to – this draft class, I think it's going to go down as a very good one. A lot of top-end talent. And um, I think if Cade can – if Cade, the only shot Cade has is if he has, shoots crazy efficiency the rest of the year because that's been one of his biggest problems, which isn't totally his fault. He's not getting the easiest shots having to run the entire offense, basically. Um, but if he can figure out a way to uh, get some better looks and that if those efficiency numbers uh, get up, he's already – I think he's first in points in rookies. He's, like, second in rebounds, first in steals. Um, he's like top six in the league in steals out of any player, and like you don't really see that out of a a number one pick that plays on the perimeter like that. He plays hard on defense, which is another plus. Obviously, he's not even on the same stratosphere as Mobley defensively, but that's a a very good sign to see that 
um, the number one pick is invested. Even a, a losing team, he's invested, and he's. Um, I like his leadership ability so far. That was like a a big pro of him coming into the league, and he's really shown that. You see him. He's all every time he's on the bench, he's never sitting down. He's always standing up. Um, anyone does anything good, he's always the first uh, to go congratulate. He's always the first to go pick him up if they're on the ground. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that Cade's gonna have a really really long and and great career as well as well as Mobley. Mobley's what like seven foot two, right? Uh, something something seven, like that. Seven, seven one, one seven two. Seven one seven two. He can freaking move, man. Yeah. Like on defense, his he moves his feet. He can play on the perimeter. He can he can protect the rim as well. He's incredible. He just I mean, swallows shots that you don't think he has a chance at, and it's like easy for like it's not like he's like tipping these shots. He's like basically catching them. It's like uh, yeah, he, he he's insane. He's got what like a seven 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 eight wingspan, something like that. It looks like it looks like it's nine feet sometimes. Something ridiculous. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely in that category where you say you want you know people should just you know appreciate who these guys are. Don't compare them. I'm definitely one of those guys who enjoys both of these guys. I mean, you know, I don't like to argue about who's better. I just enjoy both of them. I mean, Vegas has it as a runaway for Mobley, but, you I know, mean, Cade could also get in there. But along the way, we're going to just watch two of these rookies just absolutely dominate still. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just hard to compare because they're two totally different players in mm-hmm. two totally different situations. So you just, I'm just excited for their careers to play out. I this, wish rivalries in basketball were still a thing because, I mean, Detroit, Cleveland, I mean, same division, they're, you know, close. I was just about to say the whole central division is ins- going to be insane the next couple of years. Detroit, I guess they're not going to be good, like, right away, but they have a lot of promise. Obviously, Chicago is going crazy this year. Milwaukee, Indiana is making a lot of good trades. They got Halliburton, and then um, and then um, you got, obviously, Cleveland, who's out of coming out of nowhere with a lot of young talent. So it could be the best division of basketball as soon as next year, in my opinion. No, for sure. It's going to be interesting to watch these teams uh, in the second half and specifically uh, those two players. So um, the two Carters teams squared off last night, and one Carters team was successful. Hmm. It wasn't mine. Uh, The Bulls beat the Hawks last night 112 to 108. Uh, DeMar DeRozan led the way. He had 37 points. He hit the go-ahead and one with 15 seconds left, put him up three uh, Bogdanovich for the Hawks had 27 points and five rebounds off the bench. Uh, Trey Young, uh, not his best night, three of 17 from the field. Uh, he only had 14 points. Um, so I'll ask the question: uh, Is Demar Derozan the clubhouse leader for the MVP right now? I'll let you take this one. <laughs> um, when you say clubhouse leader, it's him, Giannis, well, Jokic, I somebody else. See, I, I wonder if we saw his numbers, you know, with the name, you know, Jokic or Steph or, you know, some other, you know, some other guy that's, you know, won an MVP, been up there in the MVP conversations before, you know, would we be reacting differently? And I do think the answer is maybe a little bit yes. I do realistically think he's probably like third or fourth right now. Because, I mean, every game it's like, okay, like he's going on a little streak. You know, th- you know this is going to end. Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic are all playing better, which I-, I think you could put them three above him and, you know, not have any, uh, not hear anything from me. But he is putting up 35 every game. Eight straight games, I think. 35 plus. You know, he's had and 40 a couple times. The last, the last eight games. Yeah. First ever do that. Ridiculous. Yeah, I forgot the 50%. Yep, average 35 points a game, 
on above 55% shooting. First one since Michael Jordan. Yep. There you go. If you're ever just by yourself in a category with Michael Jordan, you're, and doing, he's, you're doing okay. And he, like, you know, what way he's going right now, he could catch that Jordan record. I forget how many more he needs, but it's not, like, that many. I am so impressed with DeMar DeRozan, just in the sense that the Bulls are still the one seed in the East right now. He's continued to just be consistently incredible all season long, even without guys like Lonzo. Uh, Zach Levine missing some time with that knee injury. They don't have Caruso, so the the guard depth is is kind of thin uh, with those injuries. Yet he's still producing, still keeping the Bulls in that number one seed. I think that's where it comes. I think that's where the the most valuable comes into play. And obviously he has the stamp for that most valuable player has been the last couple of years, and it's best player on best team, best player on a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I think that he has one of the most legitimate shots. You know that 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 anybody has had that anybody has uh in this race um when the bulls are full strength can this team win the east i just See, i wouldn't shock me i was about to say if you had told me back in the first week of january when we lost Derek jones jr levine for a little bit and then we got the big caruso and lonzo injuries for six to eight weeks mm-hmm. if you would have told me that we were still number one in the east fit on february 25th i would have not just not believed you i'd be <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't – I have no words for it. They have really shown their depth is for real. We got Tristan Thompson now. He put on a show last night. The Chicago crowd absolutely loved him. He's going to be really welcome, you know, in the city in a Bulls uniform, it seems. So I'm really excited for this second half. We're getting our guys back in a couple weeks. I think it's us or the Heat winning the East at the end of the year. I – Honestly, don't think that we're going to win a title this year, and that's, I think, mostly just me, you know, not wanting to get my hopes up because, you know, given how DeRozan's playing, you know, he's a clutch guy. He could take him deep into the playoffs, but this seems to be, like, one of those really good regular season teams that might fizzle out slash lose some health in the playoffs. So that's probably my season prediction for the Bulls right now. I think that they can win, but I want to do a little exercise because I haven't really thought about this. Like, I'm going to name some teams. The East is just so loaded. Like, if you tell me if I'm wrong, I think that all these teams could win the East. I think Chicago, Philly, Miami. I think Brooklyn, if they all mesh. Mm-hmm. And Boston has been the best team in the NBA for the last almost month. Now. Yeah. They're play- they have one of the best defensive runs we've seen in a long time, and that is just, like – I don't, I don't like. I just don't know because they've been just. It's not like they're beating great teams right now, but they're beating bad teams by like twenty points, like every single night. And you can't, you don't just. That's still, it's still the NBA, and you don't just do like that. Just doesn't happen. Um, with, like good bad teams don't beat other bad teams by twenty consistently. I think Boston's a really good team, and I don't know if I'm missing any. Oh, I said I'm in Milwaukee. I don't even know if I said Milwaukee. So the the East is just loaded. So I don't. I I'm not. I, not gonna rule the Chicago out because, like you said, once they, all those injuries occurred, I was like, they're so close, they're bunched up, they might drop down a couple spots, but like Demar's just been absolutely carrying them. He gets, like we saw, I don't know, you probably saw this video, Luca at the All Star Weekend asking him if Demar's ever missed a mid range shot. That's what it feels like when he's feeling it. You can't give him an inch of space, and that bad ball's like it's going through the hoop. It's so. I mean, we'll see. I don't, there's no reason why they can't. 
based on how they're playing, and they have one of the best players in the league right now. Um, I mean, and once they're healthy, that backcourt of Lonzo and Russo are two like that's they wreak havoc defensively. So, I mean, I don't see why not. But I also this is not the <laughs> this is not the year Chicago wanted. Like this the, for the East, this is the best it's been in as long as I can remember. So, yeah, it's just. I'm not even mentioning the Cavs. They're like two games out of or three games out of yeah. first place. I I don't even think they have a chance, which is crazy. That's how good the East is this year. I was watching this game, um, and I and I was watching in the fourth quarter. Atlanta was kind of trailing a bit, and then they started to double DeRozan. It was some pretty good action with uh, Capella would would not tag the roll man. He would stick with DeRozan, and and they didn't get any efficient offense out of it. And then they were up by three, with about a minute and a half left. And then after that point, they did not score a bucket, nor did they get a stop on defense. And it was because they stopped doubling DeRozan. They let him go one-on-one, which you let, like, probably the best ISO player in the league go one-on-one, you're going to pay for it. And they did. And, and it's, that's, that's, where the, that's where the failure came from, from that team. And then, that's, and I mean, that's my question is, you know, do the Hawks still have a shot at the playoffs? They're three games under five hundred. They're... Sitting in the ten seed, I believe, but I believe uh, there's a team creeping up on them uh, in the ten seed, or there's somebody sitting in the eleven. So they're not, you know, they're not safe. They got the, yeah, they got the Wizards a game, uh, half a game back behind them. My answer is no. I don't think that they'll. I think that they have a shot to maybe make the play-in, but I don't think they're making the playoffs. I mean, I think it's. I know that there were there were things going on in the in the early season with injuries and COVID and everything. You know they pl- they have they ha- they carried the biggest active roster in NBA history at one point, but even with that stuff, getting everybody back healthy, it just hasn't worked. I mean, it's just not. I mean, when you have a night like Trey Young had last night shooting that poorly, I mean, Io DeSumo was doing an incredible job defensively against him. If you have a night like that and you have a chance to win, you really need to close that one out. And they and they just didn't. You know, I think that. That lack of execution is really going to hurt, especially in a month or two, when you're you're trying to get into a safer position uh, in the in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I saw a thing that if they were to finish with an above 500 record, they'd have to go 20 and three the rest of the way out. So it's it's I think it's a very uphill battle. Um, Hunters just miss more time. John Collins' hurt foot has been hurting, so I I think that you. You st- I think the foundation is still there, but I think that you have to come off of some of these contracts, and you have to be aggressive in trying to find, like, a second star, whether that's, like, a Donovan Mitchell or if you can somehow get somebody like Jalen Brown. This is very wishful thinking, of course, but you have to have somebody who can kind of alleviate Trey in those ways where if he has a game where he's shooting like this, you need somebody else to step up. I know Bogdanovich and Gallinari both did, but... I think you need a more consistent star because I don't think you're getting that from Bogdanovich and Gallinari every single night. That's no, it. and if those two are your second stars, like that's that's just not you're not it. winning anything. And and I think you're totally right with the foundation is there for sure because I, I was gonna say they're they have a lot of like good individual talented players, but they're just not you know meshing for some reason. You know, you go up and down the list like their whole team is full of you know budding promising young stars and for some reason they just can't they weren't in the conference finals 
for crying out loud last season. That's why this is so disappointing. It, yeah, I can't even imagine being a Hawks fan right now. As a Bulls fan, I'm on the big, you know, up after a couple of years of depression. As a Hawks fan, this has got to be We're going the other tough way. going the other way. But, the Haw- yeah, the Hawks, that's uh, you're totally right. That second star for Trey Young so that he doesn't always have to be the guy chucking up step-back threes the whole game. And then when he can't, he just tosses it off to Bogdanovich and Gallinari, which... He needed to do on those final possessions, but he kept forcing, and that's where those offensive possessions just came up empty. So he has to be better in that in that aspect. And it's not that he was, you know, just getting doubled at the end. He was three for seventeen, I think, on the game. So yep. yeah, he wasn't shooting well at all. So when he goes cold, they don't really have anyone to step in and fill that role, which is a big issue for sure. One thing before I let you go, Liam, I just I just want to say one more thing. I have been a huge proponent of Nate McMillan. I've been a huge fan. I think I've been vocal about that. I don't understand his insistence on not playing Jalen Johnson. He's a first-round rookie. He showed very quickly that he has what it takes to play meaningful minutes in the NBA right now, yet I'm seeing Kevin Knox guard DeMar DeRozan one-on-one in the fourth quarter. How are you supposed to win? How are you winning that way? That's unserious right there. They lost. Jalen Johnson is going to give you good minutes at the very least. If DeAndre Hunter is going to miss more time and – John Collins is going to be out. Play Jalen Johnson. That's all I'm asking. Give him a shot. It's got to be better than Kevin Knox. There's just no ways worse than Kevin Knox. It cannot be possible. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I, I, I don't. I have this weird feeling that the Hawks are gonna. Okay, so you think, let's say it stands how it is, and the Hawks slip into the eight seed and they play Chicago right now. I think that I'm not like. I think Chicago wins, but I think there's a lot of teams like Chicago, Miami, those two teams. If they stay at the top, why? Like we saw Atlanta beat Philly, and they took Milwaukee to six. I don't like. I think that they they they'll look at the top there and be like, it's not like they're just going to the the, the eight seed. They think and thinking that they're just like they're not going to the play and thinking that they're going uh, to get the eight seed and get slaughtered. I think that they're they're gonna have a lot to play for because they they believe that they can. They did it last year, so I think that they. They're going to have that swagger to them in the play, and if they play a team like Toronto or Charlotte, they'll have the upper hand there, I believe. I think they could win a game like that. I don't know. If Brooklyn stays down there and they're healthy, Boston or Cleveland slip, those would be two tough teams to surpass. But I, I'm not totally ruling them out. And I think a bit of – I'll give you a bit of optimism is, like, they're su- still super young, and they have one of the best point guards in the entire NBA, one of the best offensive players, maybe, like, maybe the best of our – like. When he's playing at his best, the stat, the advanced stats, like him and Jokic are two of the best offensive weapons in the entire NBA. And we saw a team like, like Chicago, like Cleveland, who one player, one jump. Um, may, like maybe maybe they just hit their stride a little bit too early, and this is where they're supposed to be. And then like they're one player away from being consistently good. Like maybe it was just because I, I would say, I don't think it's like a one off thing like um, them making a run just because of Trey and. Um, I just think he's that good, and we saw him just t- terrorize defenses. Like, I don't think that was a maybe if they won, maybe if they just beat New York and lost to Philly, I'd be like a little more mm-hmm. pessimistic. But he he was he dominated them. He could then like, and he dominated Milwaukee at times. Like, yeah, they were going back and forth with Milwaukee. Like, they looked like they had the upper hand against Milwaukee. I think before Trey got hurt. I mean, they led they led in like the fourth quarter by like ten yeah. or something. That's what I'm saying. I like I don't. It, he got hurt. This might be a this might be a down year, but I think going forward, I like 
I still have so much faith in Trey Young. I like, I didn't love him, was like, coming into the NBA. I didn't hate him. I didn't think he'd be anywhere close to this. And I, like, I have so much faith in him that um, he can be the best player on a championship team at some point if he has uh, a better supporting cast. So maybe not this year, but I don't think that their future is even close to. Like, I think their future is still very bright. I don't think it's anything to be told, like, panic button time on the whole future. But this year has been disappointing. But it's also the East has gotten so much better. I will say um, it is kind of their philosophy that they they are bored of the regular season and they just want to get to the playoffs. You can't be bored this but year. But the thing is, I don't think they're a good enough team. Like, they're not the 2013 Miami Heat where that team could coast. And it's then also dominate not the 2013 the Eastern Conference. No, it's also not that where like the like your biggest opponent, like your your biggest threat is like the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> no, they 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 have to take the regular season a little more seriously. I mean, Capella was saying, you know, watch out for us, but like you have to you have to play. You can talk all you want, you got to put it on the court. And I mean, and they definitely did in that playoff series, but they definitely did sneak up on teams. That's what they did is they snuck up on on yeah, they Philly you in the mouth. Early. Yeah, they snuck up on Philly. They hung with the the Bucks a little bit. I think they were better than the Knicks. I think that was obvious. I th- yeah, mm-hmm. I think they I think they were just a better team. And Julius Randle just kind of got exposed in the playoffs and and then this year too. I just think that I think this is the player who Julius Randle is. I think last yeah. year was the fact that he made an All NBA team and Zion didn't last year is ridiculous to me. <laughs> Zion averaged damn near thirty points a game, and with nobody else on that team except Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. I guess that was disrespectful to Brandon. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> Still, like Zion deserved, like there's no way that he deserved to be an All NBA player, and I don't want, I don't mean, I don't like hating on NBA players, but mm-hmm. it's not his fault that he was overrated. But oh my goodness, he was overrated. And uh, on your point about Kevin Knox, um, is there? I feel like McMillan is shades of Thibodeau in that way. Like he doesn't really love, like Thibodeau doesn't love playing young players like he's doing with Reddish mm-hmm. right now. He just like kind of stuck in his ways and he. Um, he kind of rides players too long and gives some players way too much leash. Yep. And then some players have zero leash. Like some people can say about Izzo, but yep, that's a different conversation. But is is that he will seems somewhat accurate to you? He will, he will have a guy who say like Kevin Herter has hit like six threes in a row or something. He'll bench Kevin Herter in like the middle of the third quarter, and you won't see him till six minutes left in the game. And it's like, dude, you had a hot hand and you went away from it. And that, and then you lose the lead a little bit. So That's I mean, cool. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's helped the team turn around uh, their defense quite a bit. Uh, they're still not a great defensive team, but I think that's just a personnel thing, not a coaching thing. But I mean, if if everything is clicking, if you have Trey Young playing like Trey Young, if Herder's knocking down his shots, Bogdanovich is shooting and creating, Gallinari's shooting, John Collins is doing what he does. You have DeAndre Hunter playing like the two-way wing he's supposed to be. Yeah, that is that is a pretty dangerous team that you might not want to see in the play-in and could maybe, I think, take a couple games from a higher seed. I don't know if they'd beat them. I, don't, I just don't know if it's like in the cards this year, but there is definitely yeah, no, maybe a shot. I don't think that they're a team that could take like win an 8-1 or 7-2. No. But I think that they'd be a team that could take them to six and like make that one or two seed. Like that, That's not a t- – like, maybe outside of Brooklyn, if they stay down there, it's not a team I want to yeah. play a first-round match. I'd rather play Washington – Toronto mm-hmm. and or Charlotte, and that's not a diss for those teams. I just they don't have Trey Young in their team. Mm-hmm. No, and and Trey is just an ice cold killer when it comes to the big moments. So, like you guys said, he's the last person you want to be up against when it comes to a playoff series. Because all those other teams, yes, they're good, but do they have that playoff experience and that kind of playoff swagger? No, I would argue Washington's bad. 
I don't even. I don't. I don't think it's gonna Washington is bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. I think it, the Knicks They're are done. better. Are more of a threat to get yeah. in the play in than Washington. I don't think Washington's good at all. So moving to the next game, um, the, the what the the Portland and uh, and Golden State game was on national TV, but we talk about those teams all the time. So let's let's shine a little light on another team, the Sacramento Kings. Yes, they got beat last night, uh, one hundred twenty eight to one hundred ten by the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Jokic having a typical tremendous game uh, himself. Uh, Sabonis for for the Kings, the newly newly acquired addition, uh, thirty three points. 14 rebounds and five assists. Uh, so how much does the Sabonis addition help Sacramento? And is there a shot that they can push for the play-in? What do you think, Carter? Sabonis is so solid. Like, he just, he's there. He boxes out. He gets you rebounds. He can hit the three when he's open. He scores inside. He does it all. He's, you know, not like his dad in that way. He can, he can mm-hmm. pass. Had five assists last night. But, you know, he, he fills up the stat sheet almost every game. And with the Pacers, we saw that that didn't always contribute to winning basketball. And, you know, with the Kings lost last night, but I, this is obviously going to take a while to, you know, get the fit right and get everyone comfortable with the new offense. Because, I mean, the Kings totally revamped. They got rid of Halliburton, uh, Buddy Heald. Who, who else? Who am I? Who am I? They got rid of Halliburton, Buddy Heald. Ba- they got rid of, yeah, got rid of Marvin Bagley, too. Yeah, so, I, I mean, they really fleshed out their whole team. So with Sabonis, I see them not getting better from where they were, and where they were was not in the playoffs. So as far as the late season push goes, I'm not really seeing it just because there are so many other competitive West teams. We've been talking so much about how strong the East is. It's not to say the West is you know weak. They're maybe not as strong as they were like mid 2010s, but I mean they still have six or seven teams that. It would, or probably six teams that wouldn't totally shock me if they came out, you know, went to the finals. I think if you're Sacramento, the teams above them right now are Portland, who have nobody playing for them right now. San Antonio is not. I don't think that it's their, like if they I feel like that's a team if they make the play in, they're fine. If not, I don't think they're pushing extremely hard for the play in. In the Pels, also nobody playing. Like if Zion's not there, I don't think they they're not a good team. And then there's Sacramento, who's three games back. If you make this move, as Sacramento, they are they're putting all their chips in. What do they have? Sabonis for two more years after this, at the at mm-hmm. the most, or Something at like the that. at the that's what he's under contract for. He's gonna yeah, he's so gonna the, need an extension pretty yeah. soon. You I you they, like, if the peak of this team is to make the play in, <laughs> and the three teams above you don't either suck or Portland doesn't want to be there. You have to this year. I'm sorry. Like, I, you can't trade Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis and pair him with Fox and then be happy with being the 13th best team in the West. And then that's your – like, your ceiling isn't much higher than the ninth or best ninth or 10th best team in the West, even through a full season with this team, which if that's Sacramento and they want to fight for the eighth seed every year, fine. They're not – like, it's – I don't know. Whatever. They haven't been in the playoffs to, for how long? Like, I think a playoff berth would be cool for them, but – yeah. Like, uh, it's just a team that annoys me, and I think that they have you have there's it's it's embarrassing if you don't make the play in this year. If, if you're out of those four teams, if you're the only one pushing all your chips in, asset wise to get a a quote unquote two time all star, he's a two time <laughs> all star, but whatever, he wouldn't be a single time all star if he played in the West. But um, yeah, I have a lot of 
ill will towards Sacramento just because I feel I know they have a great fan base and they yeah like it just sucks their organization sucks their team sucks Sabonis is cool he's fun to watch he's a good player he's like I'm so happy that my team is not building around Demontis Sabonis though I'll tell you that no their last playoff appearance was in 2006 yeah so making the playoffs would be cool which is fine that's fine because some teams small market horrible ownership yep. playoff berth that's that's fine good for them. But you have to do it then if you're going to trade away Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and, well, Marvin Bagley, they would have probably bought him out anyway. It doesn't matter. But if yeah. you're going to trade away your biggest assets and build around these two players, you have to you have to make it. when you, Portland's actively trying to lose, and they're still three games ahead of them. It, it, it just annoys me. I, I'm, that's my, I'm done with my rant. The, the iPhone didn't exist when uh, <laughs> the last time they made the playoffs. Kings for, fans, if you're reference. out, th- if you're out there, just know we're we're thinking about you. Sorry, I'm rooting for your team. Yeah, I'm just not rooting. Your ownership is horrible. Yeah, Rana Dive's still there. How do they have a team still? I don't know. You gotta sell that team to, to Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, you gotta sell that team to Seattle. I think. Anywhere. Um, the whole thing with the Kings is like, if your ceiling with this roster is currently constructed is like the eight or nine seed and like pushing for the play in, you gotta you gotta bust that up. And I think somebody in there knew that. And that's why they attempted to do that. It's just, I think that you you would move De'Aaron Fox before you move Tyrese I mean, Tyrese you busted Halliburton. it up, and then you, your ceiling is exactly the same. Yep. With more money, you're, you're paying more money. You, If you do start that rebuild, it probably starts, you keep Tyrese Halliburton. That's the one guy you build around. Your I mean, window's I think, longer. I think he's shown, I think he's shown he could he could have been that player for the Kings, and he wanted to be that player for the Kings. That's he was enough, shocked yeah. he got traded. That's a good point. Absolutely ridiculous trade, man. I just, I, I mean, the Kings just continue to, to be stupid. They're one and four with Sabonis, I think. Yikes. I, I mean, that's the thing. It's like he has, he has, uh, he puts up a lot of numbers, but they're just not very impactful. So I mean, the Kings just, you know, they're still not a lot of hope. I mean, I think that they'll land what a top three seed. They'll probably land top, or not, not even top three. No, they'll probably. I don't know where they'll land in the lottery. Who? The Kings. I mean, if they, <laughs> I don't, I they have to pass at least one of these teams. Like they're only a game back in New Orleans. I think they're better than New Orleans right now. Without Zion, Portland they have to be better than like mm-hmm. Anthony Simons is their best. No, no, yeah, I mean, he's a Simons baller, is yeah. That's not a team whose best player. That's he. They shouldn't be in the play-in. No. Like you, I don't know. But yeah, they're no, probably that would just, be they'll something probably, if they probably, made the play-in. They'll probably make the play-in, get smacked by the Lakers or the Clippers or Minnesota, and that'll be their season. They're a ter- They're a terrible team. <laughs> I think we could just say it. they're a terrible team with terrible ownership, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you try to fix them. I mean, you just traded where where that they're in the of worst spot. No, we talk about it all the time. They're like they're actually stuck in the middle, and there's not much to do. And like we all we saw that the the trade the trade market for Fox this year wasn't as high as people would have thought. He's having a, he's not having a bad year, but not a year that you would have hoped for. They were trying to package him for Ben Simmons, and mm-hmm. Daryl Morey didn't want him. They tried to, um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you do. You go for the ten seed. It's tough, and I don't know what Sacramento does. So, um, I'll have some rapid fire questions uh, before we get to our primetime game predictions. I'll just kind of go back and forth with you guys. I'll ask you a question, give me a little bit of reasoning, uh, yes or no, or whatever you know the question is, uh, and we will 
do that. So I'll start with Carter with this one. Carter, do you think Zion Williamson is done in New Orleans? Has he played his last game as a Pelican? Okay, I don't know if he's played his very last game as a Pelican, but I think that this is going to be a very short-term relationship just because, I don't know, today, this state of the NBA, it seems like players have pretty short, like, I don't know, fuses when it comes to, like, their team. Like, oh, you know, it's not it's not going well. We're out of here. We're not even going to try to work it out. We saw it with Ben Simmons, James Harden, you know, list goes on and on. I think Zion's going to get grouped in there. They're going to have a falling out, and he's going to ask for a trade. Um, what do you think? <laughs> I'll, I'll say I don't think he's playing in New Orleans again. I just I think that he got bullied into talking to C.J. McCollum. Like he yeah. got bu- bullied into posting about his teammates now. I don't think he cares. I'm sure you guys saw the the season ticket thing. Yeah. He's not on the promo for uh, – they're trying to sell season tickets. The Pelicans are for next year. Um, they mentioned C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram. And now no me- yeah, no mention of Zion Williamson. He's in Portland. He's not even with the team. Um, in Portland. Yeah, he's training. I think he's oh. his a- trainer or something. He's in Portland. Oh. Um, David Griffin has been uh, subpar at his job to say say it nicely. I think he's done. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think that Zion. I know that you know he's 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 de- he ha- he does have the foot issue. That is that is a legitimate problem i just don't think he's working his way i don't think he's trying very hard to get back to rehab because he just doesn't want to get back and play in new orleans i don't think he ever wanted to be in new orleans i think that i think that report came out that his family wasn't thrilled that he was there so they've ruined not ruined but they've had two generational talents like the bigs in the last decade with ad and Mm. zion and they won one playoff series yep they swept Uh, yeah they swept portland yeah and right. a healthy DeMarcus Cousins in his. They did prime. have that too, and then he yeah he was there and then he got hurt. Yeah, like very quickly, very quickly. But, um, that would that would if those two stayed healthy, that would have been a lot of fun. They were oh, so been, good oh, together. Would have been, yeah. And then AD was a like not human the second half of that season once he went down. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's done. Okay, Liam, do you like the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia Sixers to go farther in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, right. Uh, today, I would probably say the Sixers just because, just because they're playing better right now. I think Embiid. I think Harden, when he wants to play, is still a top ten player, top twelve player in the league. We saw that last year. He didn't do much in Houston. When he was happy to be in Brooklyn, he led the NBA in assists, won him a lot of games. I think the the combination of those two was a little bit weird. But that's a lot. That's a it's a lot of uh, a lot of talent on a team that's going to be at, at a better position at the in the standings in the East. So they have an easier road. Brooklyn. There's reports now that Kyrie's going to be able to play in home games, which is big. Katie, if he comes back healthy, if he comes back um, and is able to, I just think that the Nets don't have enough time to gel together. There's so many m- moving pieces. There has been the last two years there that team's been in flux. And then you add Ben Ben Simmons to the mix. It's just, what is he doing? Those, like, Kyrie and KD are the best with the ball. Ben Simmons doesn't do anything on offense with the ball. Without the ball, I mean. He sit, we saw that in the playoffs. He'll just sit there, like, on the baseline. Like So I just, I don't know. I I, I like the Sixers more, but, he, I mean, still KD and Kyrie. I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Sixers, but we saw KD almost beat the, the Bucks by himself. So, I mean, I, I'm not ruling him out by any means. 
Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, we were, in, like, an inch or two away from having... Katie's foot. Ugh. It was so close to the Nets beating the Bucks last year and knocking them out. Bucks never would have won a title. But um, when it comes to the Nets and the Sixers this year, the Nets, just too many question marks for me. We don't know what's going on with them. So, I'd, you know, I'd like to say the Sixers, but I'm I'm in your boat, Liam, where it's it's Katie and Kyrie, so you never really know. But I'll, I'll take the Sixers. I think that's the safe bet. Yeah, I think I think there's too many uh, moving pieces with the Nets, and I mean that's kind of been the that's kind of been the story of of the Nets ever since Kevin Durant has been there. You know, Kyrie has been hurt. They get James Harden. Kyrie's still hurt. Harden isn't playing for whatever. You know, they we didn't ever really see that that trio on the court together. And they only played they only played 16 games together. That's incredible. 13 like, and three. That's unfathomable. That's gotta um, be one of the biggest what ifs ever in NBA history. Gotta be. Because they would have been unstoppable, they, they would have just be. ran through everybody. They were when they were healthy together. Um, I like the Sixers. Um, with James Harden now running the point, I think that that stretches the floor a little bit for Embiid. So I think that lets both those guys kind of maximize their games, and they're already they already have you know less ground to make up than Brooklyn does because Brooklyn's lost a bunch of games in a row. Uh, well, they haven't lost a bunch of games in a row now, but they did go on that crazy losing streak. Um. So, yeah, I like the Sixers right now. All right, Carter, more disappointing, uh, the Knicks or the Lakers? For me, I think it's the Knicks just because the I think it's going to be the Lakers in, like, a week or two if they, you know, keep going downhill. But with the Lakers, there's still, like, a little ounce of hope that they could do something in the playoffs. But the Knicks, it just seems like all the air is out of the tires. You know, Kemba's out the rest of the year. Thibodeau seems to be off the rails. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on in New York. So, the the Knicks have been my more disappointing team this season. I'm going to pat myself on the back here because I was very low on the Knicks coming into the year. I think I had them in the play-in. Um, so, I'm going to say the Lakers because I had the – I'm going to knock myself down because I had the Lakers <laughs> like top two or three in the West coming <laughs> into the year. So, it's kind of even out. So, I'm going to say the Lakers just because of my preseason expectations – um, I I didn't I was never a big fan of the Knicks like I said Julius Randle never the biggest fan Thibodeau never he hasn't never been the greatest playoff coach um, and this year his personality is getting in the way of a lot of things seems to be a lot of turmoil there so I'm gonna go with the Lakers just because you make the move to get LeBron and AD thinking that that is the best duo in the NBA for four or five years and it just they did get a ring so I, it's not a it's not a failure by any means, but since then it's just kind of been. You get Westbrook, that's a bad decision, and that duo just either hasn't been healthy together or Anthony Davis just hasn't been the Anthony Davis from the bubble. So that's been disappointing, just because I thought that that this year it would be um, fun to watch those three see how they figure it out, and they obviously have not figured it out. So I think the more disappointing team is the Lakers. Just because I do think you know they they did have those expectations of being one of the one of the contenders in the West. I mean I think the Knicks in their own heads did, but there was never really a legitimate shot of them doing that when the best season of their you know their team's history in the last I don't know twenty years or so was a was a losing a first round playoff series in five. So the lake the Lakers had championship aspirations. Any team with LeBron is always going to. 
and the fact that they're you know sitting at as many games they're sitting at four games under 500 that's just not typical of a LeBron James team so I think it's them um did I start with I think I asked go back to Liam Liam who's your MVP do you have uh, Giannis is it Jokic is it DeRozan is it somebody else right now I would I think Embiid and Jokic are at the top for me um but I think I think it's so hard to decipher. These four are just clearly the four best in the NBA right now, and um, I'm a big fan of all of them. But right now, I'd probably say um, Embiid followed by Jokic right behind him. For me, I gotta go Giannis probably number one, Jokic, Embiid, DeRozan. It's probably my top four. Uh, Giannis was my preseason prediction for MVP, and I think he's. He's making good on that. I think there is a legitimate shot that he can win that. So I'm sticking with him. Giannis is my pick still. Uh, the Bucks just have to, I think, win a couple more games, get a little bit higher in the Eastern Conference. I know they're sitting in the four seed right now, but I think they got to check it up just a little bit more. Um, and then last one, Carter. Do you expect any coaches to be fired this se- after this season, whether it's like Thibodeau or Frank Vogel or I don't know? Both of those. Okay. The, 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 those very two examples. Um. Yeah, this year I think, you know, now that a lot of teams are getting stronger and more competitive, making runs of the play, and I, you know, and we saw it at the trade deadline too. I think a lot of teams are going to start imploding, blowing things up, starting from scratch because, you know, they have to. So many teams are, you know, so far ahead of them in terms of development and being able to sign free agents, being a free agent destination, and you know these small market usually small market you know there's guys like the Knicks that and and the Lakers that are struggling to pull it together but so yeah so a lot of these teams sitting at the bottom time to rebuild hire a new coach start from scratch who you got I think I think Thibodeau may be back even though he shouldn't I think I expect Vogel to be gone um just because um, he's there was there were rumors early in the year that he was like a game or two away from being fired, which those reports are always kind of weird to me. Like just fight, like what what's one game gonna do if he wins one random game in the middle of the week on on a, in December? <laughs> just fire him if you're gonna fire him. So I think that they're, I don't think they wanted to go through all that in the middle of the season. I think he'll get fired in the in the off season. I'm personally, I I think I agree with you. I do think Vogel is gonna be fired, and I think that that is, uh, gonna be the voice of not Rob Polinka, but probably like Clutch Sports. I'm just not I'm just not a fan of of Vogel having very little say in this construction of this roster and then being handed this this thing that doesn't work all together and saying here figure it out and yeah I don't I and don't, if you can't figure it out then it's your fault I don't Goodbye. think it's his fault but that's what they got into when they were getting LeBron and AD it was their team and they got him a ring so whatever but yeah that, I think that that was uh they knew that getting into it that same thing with the Nets like you had. Uh, KD calling a lot of the shots there, KD and Kyrie. So, so which is a good thing. Players have a lot more power, but it does sometimes it screws coaches like like Vogel who can't really coach the way he wants to. Yeah, I could see some surprising ones like a like a maybe like a Quinn Snyder in in Utah if they don't move if they don't you know get farther in the playoffs. I maybe like that Mike, maybe Mike Malone, somebody like that. Maybe just the Nuggets. You know, they're kind of sick of the same thing, so they try to get to somebody else. But Quinn Snyder's I don't know. A good one. I don't know. Outside of that, I think a lot of these teams are going to hold on to 
their coaches. All right, so before we get out of here, we'll, we'll go. We'll run through a couple uh, primetime games tonight. The Miami Heat and the New York Knicks uh, play in the Garden at 7 p.m. on ESPN. The Heat are a six and a half point favorite. Marcus Morris and Victor Oladipo are not playing for the Heat. Uh, Kemba Walker, who's being held out for the rest of the season, R.J. Barrett, Nerlens Noel, and Derrick Rose are not playing for the Knicks. Carter, I'll start with you. Who do you got in this one? Two, we got two teams on very opposite sides of the spectrum trending in two very different directions. You know, this is the Knicks' kind of chance to maybe show that they have some life after the All-Star break, and this is the Heat's chance to really make a statement, go out and show that they're here to take the number one seed in the East. I've obviously got the Heat. You know, it would be a shocker if the Knicks pulled one off tonight. Um, I've been... I'll keep with the theme. I've been low on the Knicks all season and all show, so I'll just take the Heat to cover, and that's that. Yeah, I got the Heat, too. I think it's going to be a blowout like the last time these two teams played on ESPN. I think it, it won't even be close. I mean, Miami is trying to win a championship, and it doesn't look like the Knicks are going to do that. So I will go with the Heat. I will go for them to cover. Uh, and then the late game is the Clippers at Lakers. Even though they play in the same place, it doesn't really matter who's home or away. Uh, 10 p.m., Eastern time. The Lakers are a two-point favorite. Uh, Paul George remains out for the Clippers. Avery Bradley and Carmelo Anthony are out for the Lakers, and LeBron is day-to-day. Probably a game-time decision. Liam, who's winning this one? I like the Clippers just because I think they'll relish the opportunity to play a big game in front of likely a large crowd, and I think Ty Lue, very good coach. He's got all those guys playing really hard, and um, I just like the way the Clippers play. Even without uh, PG or Kawhi, they still just find a way, so I'm taking... I'm taking the Clippers there. Um, if LeBron does play, I'll, I'll I'll take the Lakers. But if not, I, I feeling good about the Clippers to cover. I agree. I agree with you, Carter. I think it comes down to if LeBron plays or not. I think that's why the line is so low. I think they're assuming that LeBron won't play. Uh, so it's a little bit lower. If it, if he was playing, I think it would be a little bit higher. Uh, if he doesn't play, I do have the Clippers, uh, and I'm gonna assume he doesn't. So I'm gonna say Clippers. Uh, I think they win. By a decent amount, maybe like a like an eight or nine point win, uh, and Clippers get that win in the Staples Center. So that's all the time we have for today. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We hope you have a good weekend. Watch some basketball. Have a good time, and we will see you next week.